0: It was just a little over 10 years ago, actually a little over 11 years ago, I was the rector of a small but healthy parish in central Kentucky, just outside the city of Lexington. I was in the middle of Kentucky's horse country with the beautiful bluegrass expanses of farmlands everywhere around me. The name of the county I lived in was Bourbon County. So really, how could it get any better than that? And I was just three years into being a priest. I had planned on being where I was at that moment for a good long time. And then one day, I started getting emails completely out of the blue from this rector in a church in Jacksonville, Florida, inviting me to consider a position he had open to be the assistant rector of his much larger parish. I won't lie to you, my first thought was, Florida, really? I don't mind visiting Florida for vacations ever so often, but I don't think I'd ever really want to live there. So I sent that rector a very kind thank you very much, and I said, no thanks. But the problem was that he continued to send me emails asking me to pray a little bit harder and to reconsider it. Then he asked me to call and talk to him on the phone and have a conversation. And when I said no a second time and even a third time, he wrote me back and he invited me to at least come down and have a look at his parish, which was St. Mark's in Ortega. How could you make a decision about something if you don't see it? So I did it. And just like that, completely against what I was thinking my future would be, God brought me here to Florida. And still to this day, I promise you, it wasn't at all what I had expected it to be. And there have been other times before and since that I've found myself completely surprised by what God has unexpectedly dropped right in front of me. There was that time, oh, eight years ago, when I had left Florida and tried to go back to Kentucky. I found myself out of the blue, playing with an old bluegrass group of friends that I had. And after we tried to book a tour for our band to Eastern Europe and then to England and Scotland, all to no avail, we decided to just go to the country that we'd just spent three weeks playing in the year before. That country was Ireland. And I was absolutely sure that I was going there that spring just to play music. And then, on the very first night, I met someone. It was a young woman who just happened to be my age, who herself just decided at the last minute to leave her house, go to her brother's pub and listen to this band from Kentucky who were going to play some music that she'd never really listened to before. Her name, of course, was Audrey, and the rest, as they say, is history. And yet again, it totally happened When I was not expecting it to. And I imagine all of us can remember moments in our own lives when everything you thought was going to happen totally changed into something completely unexpected and different. Maybe it wasn't all that wonderful. Maybe it was downright shocking. Maybe it was scary. Whatever it was, when it was all over, you were somehow different. Maybe even forever changed, for better or for worse. As a priest, one of the questions I still get asked the most is about how can we recognize God's direction and guidance in our life? When does God really speak to us or how do we know what God is trying to say? And in each and every case, I always start by trying to tell people to open their minds and their hearts in prayer and to start paying attention to things that just seem to fall out of nowhere unexpectedly in their lives. Those moments when we are surprised, when everything we're used to is suddenly shaken up completely. It is often in those kinds of experiences that God might just be speaking to us and offering us a different direction. It may not be the direction that you wanted, but it may be the direction God is laying out for you to at least seriously consider. Now, When you share these experiences with some folks, they just say, sounds like a bit of luck, maybe just an odd coincidence. That's certainly one way you can look at it. But for many of those experiences I've had personally in my own life, after years have gone by and I go back over them in my mind over and over again, I can't help but see it quite differently. Or perhaps I should say, I can't help but see it divinely. Rather than luck or coincidence, I totally believe there's just as much evidence that it has come from God. What those Puritans who arrived in this country back in the 17th century might have called divine providence. And I believe that divine providence is just one of the ways God communicates with us and offers us in heart, mind and spirit right now today, real direction and real understanding. Is it always God speaking to us? No. Do we have to respond to everything that arrives in our lives unexpectedly as if it were from God? Absolutely not. That's what makes it difficult to sort out. But brothers and sisters, if we're willing to be true disciples of our faith and spend some time working out our spiritual lives in prayer and in worship, then that which catches us off guard might be that which we recognize can transform us, bringing us even closer to God in ways that we've never expected before. This morning's Bible readings, especially that one we heard from Genesis about Abram who becomes Abraham and Sarai who becomes Sarah, and especially in the gospel, is filled with explanations by God and Jesus that for the disciples and for all of us are odd unexpected and surprising, and yet in the end changed everything. In the verses that come just before that reading we just heard from Mark's gospel, Peter has just proclaimed out loud that Jesus is not just a prophet, nor is he just a rabbi, but he is the Messiah that the Jews have been waiting for. But when Peter and the disciples hear in this morning's reading how Jesus is unexpectedly laying out this messianic plan and what it means for the Son of Man and what he must be willing to do as Messiah, it is so shocking and so different from what the disciples were expecting to hear that Peter suddenly loses his temper with Jesus. Really, to rebuke someone is not just... Disagreeing with them to rebuke is to disapprove so strongly that you must call that person out and criticize them in front of others. It is to demand that they change what they are doing or you threaten to walk away in complete protest. And believe it or not, that is how the gospel tells us this morning that St. Peter is responding when Jesus says that the Son of Man, the Messiah, the person that the disciples and all of Israel have been waiting for must suffer, be rejected, and finally be put to death. Now, Jesus also says that the Son of Man will rise again after three days, but we can only assume that Peter and the disciples are so disillusioned and confused by those first three statements from Jesus that they stop listening before Jesus even makes it through to the end of the promise. And really, if we understand what the Jews have been looking for and expecting from their promised Messiah in the Hebrew Bible, then we too might at least understand what's making Peter so angry this morning. In a land invaded and overtaken by the Roman legion, the hope and prayer for the Messiah has become for a rebirth of Israel's great king, King David, an appearance of a great new military leader who will finally eliminate and run out the overlords of Rome and restore the Israel God created and gave us the promised land for the Hebrew people in the time of Moses and Joshua. When Peter and the other disciples left their homes and left their families and began following Jesus, they were convinced that Jesus was that kind of Messiah. And when Peter finally proclaims that Messiahship, in the verses that precede this morning's verses, the disciples knew exactly what he was talking about. But when Jesus effectively changes that promise altogether and unexpectedly and proclaims suffering and death for the Messiah, Peter can't help but lose his cool with Jesus This is not only an unexpected redirection, but to Peter, it sounds like it's going to be a shocking failure. So Peter speaks out to stop Jesus's mistake, and he rebukes the Lord. And really, that's not far off from what we can sometimes do when change doesn't match what we ourselves have been waiting for, isn't it? I instantly think of my six-year-old daughter Eva and how she can sometimes react quite dramatically to change when all she was wanting to do the whole day she was in school was stop by Sweet Frog and get some ice cream. Well, I think most of us have discovered by now that we adults sometimes fall into that exact game of kind of dramatic response of unexpected change ourselves. I can tell you right now with where we've all been during these pa- this pandemic over these last 11 months, I hate to think of how many times I've rebuked, who knows, someone over the unexpected change that seems to drop out of nowhere constantly. And that's just it. We have to realize that sometimes it's not just about us. What Jesus reveals to Peter isn't just about Jesus saving Israel or even the Hebrew people. What Jesus is laying out before the disciples is a saving grace that will bring salvation and hope to the entire world, that will reset the world on a new course back towards what God intended us to be when we were first created. That's big business. And maybe it isn't what the disciples thought they were signing up for, but it's what's happening. It certainly causes Jesus to turn around and say a few choice rebuking words to St. Peter, who until that moment was definitely shaping up to be the leader that was needed by that ragtag group of followers of Jesus. Jesus reminds Peter of just where human things can come from and who exactly it is that leads those types of things in the present violent, destructive, addictive world. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus turns and he calls the crowd together and he takes us in a different direction. Jesus says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. What Jesus reveals to the disciples, and certainly to all of us as well, is the sometimes very difficult, hard, life changing fact that God's way and God's offerings are not always exactly what we wanted them or hoped them to be in that moment. Sometimes they are complete and total game changers for us, and quite often, If we just observe it and think about it, they are not really where we ever thought we would go. But by the end, they are where God might just be calling us to go and to be. As Jesus says, sometimes we have to deny what we thought we wanted and take upon our shoulders the heavy cross that comes with being Christians and giving up ourselves to follow Jesus. And let me be clear here. That is always our choice. God gives us that choice so we don't ever have to follow God or take on that cross against our own will. We can always choose another route. We can always take another direction. God will still love us if we do that. And just as your GPS does now when you turn off that direction it's telling you to go, God will always reroute you or at least try to in God's hope for the direction he's calling you to take in your life. To follow God certainly isn't easy. The disciples find that out, and we find that out every day. As a great 1960s, 1970s singer-songwriter once said, sometimes you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. Now, I might just add that if you try sometimes and really open your ears and your heart to God, you will always get what you need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Mick Jagger. (laughs) Thank you, God. And may we all find the strength and the courage, brothers and sisters, to really recognize God's offerings and take up our cross and follow God first. For really think about it. What will it profit us to gain everything this world offers, which eventually fades away, and then come to the end of life, come to that next movement into what God is calling us to and find out that we've lost our way. Amen.